0: Uh, What am I good at? I can shred on the drums, and I'm a marketing whiz. Okay, Venom, reel it in. Reel it in this time, all right? Reel it in. Reel it in slow and steady. I'm Parker Dietz. I'm Tom Logan. And you're listening to Reel It In, the podcast for marketers who like other stuff too. Hi, everyone. Welcome to this special edition of Reel It In. Uh, I get to do this without our esteemed host, Parker Dietz, today. Um, So we'll see if I can host a podcast without the greatest host on the planet. Today, I am lucky enough to be joined by Josh Carter, whose title is extensive, but I wrote it down so I won't blow it. Senior Director of PR, Social, and Influencer Partnerships at Shutterfly brand that everyone, most of our listeners, I would imagine, are extremely familiar with. Josh, welcome to Real It In.
1: Oh my gosh.
0: Thanks for having me, Tom. How are you?
1: I'm doing well. I'm are, you, uh, are, you, are, you getting, are you getting any sleep? I was going to say, are you getting any sleep?
0: I am uh, getting sleep in a specific window. So for, uh, for listeners who might be confused by this, um, I have a six-week-old baby. Josh has how old is Elvis now? A couple years.
1: He's two. He's okay. two. He just turned two in July.
0: So you've never seen a two-year-old with so much personality. But have you?
1: the The better, the better, the better question for you is actually: um, Have you ordered those birth announcements on Shutterfly yet?
0: That's the real question. No, I have not because I haven't gotten the discount code. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we I can never fix buy anything for full That's price. Easy to fix that. <laughs> that sounds that sounds wonderful. Hey, I, uh,
1: it's a good thing it's a good thing you know somebody. You know somebody. That's good.
0: It it helps to have friends in in high places, for sure. All right, well, let's uh let's get into it. Josh, let's start by um by just getting you to to give a quick overview on yourself. You've had a a really interesting career. You've done a variety of different things. You have awesome perspectives. So, You know that's that's a major reason why I wanted you on here, aside from just being a dear friend. Um, But maybe just like intro yourself, give us a little overview of of who Josh Carter is in the most Josh Carter way possible, meaning not boring, (laughs) splashy. Are
1: you trying to get me? Are you trying to get me to do a TikTok on this? I don't. I'm still learning. I mean, I'm old. I've been doing this for a long, long, long time. So. We'll uh, we'll see. Uh, But yeah, Tom, I know that you know some of this, but for listeners, my name is Josh Carter. I'm based in Minneapolis, Minnesota, the home of 10,000 Lakes. Uh, I live in Minneapolis with my wife, Sarah, and our two-year-old son, Elvis. I have spent about 20-some years in the marketing PR space, a mix of agency life, really focused on consumer uh spent a long time at a large retailer called Target doing PR and social and influencer work there for for a long long time um and right now I'm at Shutterfly and having such a blast uh I lead PR social and our influencer work there and it's been about 2 years that I've been here and we are you know in the business of sharing everyone's life memories and it could not be a better fit you know I I love photography, I love celebrating, I love uh, getting to hear, I'm big in social, so I love to see people's stories, and so Shutterfly is a great fit for me. Um, But we are having such a blast here as we continue to evolve the brand from not just being a photo personalization company, but uh, a customization company and really celebrating all life's moments. So I, uh, you know, when I'm not working, I am really, Tom always probably laughs at me, but I love I love a good hat, uh, as you can see. And so I'm really trying to work on my hat fluencer game. Uh, it hasn't really taken off yet, but I, I think in 2023, it's gonna be big. So, but um, yeah, so that's me, you know, I, I, I love telling stories on behalf of brands and uh, it's, it's what I think I do best.
0: I think that storytelling um, both for you personally and for you professionally, has has clearly made its way into the DNA of Shutterfly in a very short period of time. Maybe just give us a um, give us an, an understanding of how you think about the role of influencer marketing within Shutterfly. So I'm sure that people have seen, you know I've, I've been seeing all of this like Chris Jenner. Hi, what constitutes a Kardashian-worthy holiday celebration and all these things. But um, influencer marketing is, is uh, a lot more nuanced and, and broad than just, you know, Jenner-slash-Kardashian-level influence partnerships. Like, tell us about how you think about, about this specific component of, of the business.
1: Yeah, you know, influencer marketing is, is so wild to me because it's been a part of every job I've ever had, just in a different way um you know i remember back in the day when i started my career one of the first influencers i'm, I'm going to date myself now but one of the first influencers I worked with uh was kelly clarkson and she had just won american idol um and so it was really interesting because at that point celebrity was the influence It was movie stars and musicians and all the things. And obviously, because there was still like rotary phones probably at this time, that um, they, um, you know, they didn't have social media. And so as the evolution of Influencer has evolved, the, the piece of content and storytelling has become even more of an important piece to really driving influence. When I think about Influencer today, and it's evolved even in the last two years, um, that content and video content specifically is how people are, are getting the stories and believing in the products that they're talking about and believing in the brands that influencers talk about. I approach any influencer partnership that we do, and this is so cliche, but it is about the authenticity. I want people who love our brand. I want people who continue to um, know us, use us, um, and really feel proud um, to, to be able to talk about us. And so when I look at our, when I look at influencers in general, I don't think there's a one size fits all. And I think they each have their own superpower for what is needed. Um, and I think finding that right mix is what brands can do to be most successful.
0: And you guys have also been doing some very interesting collaborations that involve, Uh, like new product creation alongside that specific influencer, correct? Maybe tell us a little bit about that, how that came about. Yeah,
1: you know, I think product collabs with influencers is really, really exciting. Um, You know, we we did a program uh, not too long ago with four social media icons that each collaborated with an artist to create four products that were available for a limited time only on shutterfly.com. And it was a really great opportunity. We called the Shutterfly Collective. Um, It was a really great opportunity for us to reach a new audience, to work with influencers who we love, to let them create just like our customers do and do it in a way that was authentically them. And we saw some really great success from that program. There's lots of buzz and lots of momentum and all the things that are super, super important in that space. But what was beautiful about it is that we partnered Spoonflower independent artists with each of the influencers to create their collaboration. And so I think that was super important for us as we think about where we go as a, as a brand and thinking about customization of product and art and design and all the things that go with that um, in a very fun new way for us. And so I'm super proud of that program. It was a blast to work with that group of influencers and artists. I um, And I think for us, you know, I operate personally, I operate in a model of of a 70 2010 model. that 70%, and even when I think of influencer work is hardworking influencer programs that we all know and love and we've been building as brand builders. Uh, 20% is the stuff that you wanna take a risk on and it doesn't have to be big and it doesn't have to be expensive, but it's to try and to continue to test and learn. And 10% to me ends up always falling into a bucket of um, maybe a big idea. Again, doesn't ha- big doesn't mean costly but big might be something that you've never tried before. And so I think it's really important to operate that way. I think, you know, we have to, in the influencer space and even in the social space that, I mean, 70% of that work has to really work hard for you. And so being strategic and being smart and really having goals and KPIs that you can measure against and continue to grow really is the foundation of what that looks like. And then I think, take some risks. I'm a risk taker. I actually tell my team a lot, um, let's be brave. I actually don't say let's take risks and say let's be brave. And I think it just gives a more positive, mm-hmm. positive spin on, on and, and encouraging and empowering teams to think outside the box.
0: I think from a cultural standpoint as well, how you treat quote unquote mistakes or how you either reprimand or celebrate falling forward, gathering mm-hmm. those learnings, like that can completely define whether or not you have a, an innovative, a healthy, vibrant team, or you have one that just kind of stays in its lane, shows up nine to five, and, and isn't really emotionally invested in their work. Like I really think that is that is a major piece of of uh, culture, you know, defining um, just overall traits. You mentioned something in there, and I'm going to go a little bit off off script about reaching new audiences. That is something that comes up constantly with our clients. I think part of it is just because of the overall like macroeconomic squeeze, part of it is rising ad costs. And part of it's just like uh, differentiation. So a lot of companies that have traditionally sold to sort of 35 and up types of audiences are now realizing that if they invest in Gen Z, come out with, with Gen Z messaging, Gen Z ads, but also Gen Z friendly products, that they can set themselves up for, you know, much higher lifetime value of these customers. They can they can bring them in much younger at a much younger age, and then and then kind of you know, very naturally grow with them as they move into sort of the their previously defined sweet spot. Um, talk to us about the new audience initiatives, and and I'm imagining that it's that's less of a. Um, less of a like Gen Z versus millennial thing and probably more about like subculture sub pockets that, that shutter that you'd like to see. Shutterfly do uh, make a bigger splash in. Is that right?
1: Yeah. And I, um, I don't know if our tech is a little off, so I might've missed some of your questions. So if I, if I do please correct me, but I think, you know, I've been doing, I look at audience in a couple ways. One, even in my career, starting in PR, we use the, the the vehicle of a PR or an influencer to reach an audience that we can't do ourselves. So it's the audience that you can't pay that paid media for to reach that audience. And so when I think of influencers, I think of reaching audiences that may have never thought of us before um, or have and and want to think about us again because they forgot about us or whatever those moments are. It to me is, what, what I love so much about Shutterfly is there's literally something on our site for everybody and no matter what your age is. So it really gives me the ability to think about the emotional piece of the products that we sell to reach these audiences. And so for me using influencers, it does get us into a place that, um, gets people to think differently about their products and different use cases that they may never have thought of. And that might be a different way to think about our photo books or a different way to feel really confident about your holiday card this, this year. And that's not just reaching from in my opinion, it's not just reaching just the mom. It could be, you might be celebrating a roommate anniversary with somebody and you want to make them a special card of the first photo on your movement day. So using an influencer to help tell that story, to give those inspirational ideas is a really powerful way. And like we talked about early in the, in the conversation is, you know, video is something that, as you guys know, Ecoli, that it's time intensive. And so using influencers to also be these content creators and storytellers in a very digital first world is the same thing it was for me in PR uh, back before influencer marketing was a thing, is using media to tell the story on our behalf. We're having influencers tell those stories and really reaching new audiences. And so when we think about you know, we'll talk about this, I believe, is like casting. So who we choose is really strategic because we want to reach different types of audience. When I first started in influencer marketing, it was like, let's go for mommy bloggers and let's go for um, um, pet influencers because we want to reach pet pet owners. Nowadays, everyone's looking for just this overall lifestyle, right? And so being strategic in who we pick based on the stories we want to tell and also, it's such a cluttered landscape, finding the right people that can break through the clutter with the right stories at the right time is also another way for us to reach the right audiences.
0: Very well said. Yeah, let's, um, let's pivot right into that casting topic. So the, um, the way that this works within the Kohli platform for people unfamiliar is that a you know, brand or an agency representing a brand will put together what's called a creative brief. It has core components around what they're looking for within the video, you know, photo, or even can help guide product review um, types of content as well. And basically it'll say like content do's, content don'ts, content we like. And then you know, oftentimes brands will exercise their ability to ask an influencer, influencer to submit sample assets that they've done uh, either for previous brands or just on their own channel or for fun. Uh, just to, gem- to, to generate some, some additional trust, to be able to demonstrate that um, that they have competency in this specific area, right? Um, so the, the, the subject mm-hmm. of how you actually select from that applicant pool can be a little tricky, and, and candidly has been a little bit of a bottleneck for a lot of our clients who are, you know, were initially worried about having sufficient applicants to choose from, but now they feel almost like inundated by. Uh, by the large amounts of creators who are willing to work with them on their terms. Um, so it, it becomes a little tricky. I really like the way that you think about casting creator selection at Shutterfly. So tell us a little bit more about what goes into that. So when you're vetting a creator, again, inside or outside of Coal, it doesn't matter. You have a specific project in mind. You have a specific initiative in mind. From there, where does it go? What does the vetting process look like?
1: I would say to, to quickly answer it, we, 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 I would say it's not a one size fits all. So again, I go back to what is the overall objectives that we're trying to do, the ladder into the larger business objectives and the marketing objectives, et cetera. So when I think of casting specifically, there's a couple ways that I think, as you kind of mentioned, is that, you know, you got to find a rhythm in the people you work with. I have never really liked the idea of just working with somebody one time and then not working with them again um, because I think it's important that you are building uh, your stories together and building a relationship. It's just like any other partnership that you have, it takes time to get to know each other. And I think it's important to really set them up for success when you think about the content they can produce on your behalf and really having a strong brief. And so really starting with that brief I think is really important because I think that then leads to your casting. And so for us, you know, I would say not one size fits all based on what we're trying to if it's a photo book program, you know, really thinking about what customers want and care about during the time of the program which might dictate who we might work with. So whether that's a travel focused influencer or a fashion influencer or a mom um etc. Um, We really think about diversity and ensure that we don't have the same type of person across the group of people we work with at at one time. And I think people forget Mm. that. I think you, you, I look at it and back in the day, I mean, I was casting like fashion shows and stuff like that, too. And it's like, we got to, you've got to think of the picture as a whole uh, in order to find the right mix and have backups. Because in the casting process, something may come up and you may lose somebody and you have to have a backup to figure out how do you fill that gap of the audience you're trying to reach or the story or the type of content you're trying to reach? I would say um, we don't always get it right. You know, I don't think everyone, anyone really gets it right. And I think you take some big bets on some certain people that you think are really going to drive. You think the content is really going to execute well. You think their audience is going to resonate and sometimes it doesn't. And you know, there's plenty of times that me and my team talk and they're really into an influencer or a piece of content. And I'm like, I don't think this is going to work y'all. And sure as hell it does like it does. And and so sometimes you just don't know. And I think it really comes down to you got to trust your gut with some of your people do the due diligence to really find out what they care about, what they like, because if you do that, Hopefully the content will resonate with their audience better. And then hopefully you'll end up with an end product that you're really proud to share on your own social channels as as an opportunity or to whitelist or dark post or whatever you need to do in the content space. So um, my advice for people would be um, start small, start small and and start building your group of people that you think resonate best. Um, Focus on diversity. Focus on diversity of like what... Um, what their audience looks like, what their content looks like. And then the third thing I would say for advice is, um, you know, again, probably that 70, 20, 10 model a little bit, like 70% of your cast is people you know are going to work hard in that 20. And that other Mm -hmm. 10%, you know, take some risks, see what happens. Um, And also I'm in a place of like quality versus quantity um, only because I think you can really get to know your influencers a little better and the content that they're going to produce
0: the 70 20, 10 is actually very consistent with how we'll work with paid media teams around their uh, creative testing. So a lot of times the pushback when we talk about uh, encouraging them to test different creative, different audiences, iterate constantly is, well, we have this great like hero creative, this winning creative that's just crushing, crushing it for us. Like we're worried about leaving money on the table if we don't serve this 100% of the time. So what we'll recommend in those instances is like, all right, 80% of your budget, keep on hammering these, these winners. But guess what, like the risk of ad fatigue, of drop-offs in performance, that's also a substantial risk. Like you have to be introducing new creative and you have to be pushing the limit around, um, around what may or may not work, right? And, and there is a chance that within that 20% of the pie that you're using to test new creative, you know, new new copy iterations, whatever it might be, new calls to action. It's very likely that you can find a new winning creative, and all of a sudden, that previous you know king of the hill creative that you thought would never be beat in a million years, it's upended, and you benefit from higher click through rates, lower CPMS, and your boss thinks you're a hero, right? So uh, I, I love that. Just kind of thinking about that as like a percentage of of um casting percentage of influencer selection all the way over to uh to percentage of of paid media serving as well um that's great do you want to go through our rapid fire questions
1: (laughs) do you want to go through the rapid fire questions
0: i really do i really do i have to answer i'm really i'm really excited for uh for this specifically so we're gonna do word (laughs) association so basically, like, I'm gonna limit you to just a few words in your responses here, and you're just gonna say the first thing that comes to mind. I know you technically had these prompts in advance, but I'll be honest. I didn't. I, even, I didn't.
1: I, I wanted to keep it as real, you know. So I haven't actually really looked at it. <laughs> to, be totally, to be totally honest,
0: I should have put this in white text and then and then turned it turned it into black right before we got on. <laughs> <laughs> you probably would You probably would have found me out on that. All right, you ready for this? Yes. Complete the sentences. The future of influ- influencer marketing will look like.
1: I could go two ways on this one. I would say here to stay. I, I'm i confident this will continue to be a place that we evolve. And I also feel strongly that it will be, the future will be integrated. So continuing to integrate influencers across the funnel and the channel, um, I think is important as we think about the future.
0: For brands, social media should be thought of as
1: fun i i'd say fun but i'd also say um wait this is like picking favorites um i'd say fun first of all i do because i think that's just how i lead lead um customer first i think that we have to continue to think about who we're an audience first perhaps maybe is a better way to say it um mm-hmm. and i because i'm a pr person think editorially
0: speaking of picking favorites your favorite influencer right now is <laughs> it get you in trouble for some of these questions
1: you know it's funny because you know my dog Fonzie had an Instagram and I just found out my wife and I were like looking on our accounts or something and they deleted his account because he wasn't 13 and I was like what oh, so I was gonna say 13 dog like, years. I know he's way older than that um who is my favorite influencer right now? Um, I don't know if I can pick. I don't know, that's, that, that's, that, that's gonna get me in trouble. I like them all, I like all of them.
0: You touched on this earlier, cop out answer, but I'll let you cop out. <laughs> you touched on this earlier about being wrong about creative assets performance, but give me a specific time that you were, that you were wrong about how a specific influencers post or in more of like a paid capacity how a creative assets performance netted out
1: for me it's it's hard to pick a piece of content that uh, I could say this was totally bad I, I you know I, I feel like I've done so many of them but I would say early in the process when I think about um, performance I it took me a while to really understand that lo fi content can perform just as good as a piece of professional content and sometimes even better and so I feel like um it really helped me understand that we need to let content creators and influencers create and we need to give them guardrails and we need to have them tell the stories we need to tell but i think we as marketers have to continue to give them that ability to really create because that's when they shine and ultimately they know their audiences best so if we um we really listen to them and have them create the content that they know and i think there's a balance i don't think i do think in this video space of influencer right now you got to know how to do the cuts You got to keep people entertained and you got to people get people to stop their thumbs in some way. And so I think there's a balance. And so I'm not saying just hop on live and and be able to get a great piece of content. That's going to be super engaging. I think you have to do the work, but I don't think, you know, shooting from the lens of the iPhone is just as good as if you have different pieces of equipment to really create beautiful content.
0: What's the right way for creative teams and performance teams to work effectively together?
1: Performance teams and creative teams, um, I think having the plan uh, and, and sticking to the strategy, I think um, I think the review process it really comes with a lot of opinions. And so using fact, um, you know, I really like to look at data to say um, what are the trends we're seeing to inform that, to get some of the personal emotional piece out of it when we when we decide if content works or not. I think being flexible, uh, is really important. And I think we have to test and learn a little bit as you go through the process. So, you know, you know not every piece of content is going to be your best performing content. You, know, you hope it to be, but I think when teams come together, there needs to be uh, a rite of passage in the sense of understanding that, um, that you got to get on the same page early because once you move into the creative process, the train has moved. And so it's hard to fix a piece of content later if um, you're not aligned.
0: A Kardashian Jenner worthy celebration includes
1: <laughs> Oh man. Um
0: four yes, plus billionaires. Um,
1: I, I, I Kardashian I you know, I would say um realness. I think they're real, you know. I think they they um they're unapologetically themselves and, and I think that's I think that's good.
0: This, this topic might actually be the catalyst for finally getting my wife to listen to a piece of content that I've participated in. This could be very exciting.
1: <laughs> she, she, she's a she's a Kardashian-Jenner fan. Oh,
0: to say the least. Oh, yeah. Our daughter is, is growing up with the Kardashians' voices in their heads. You know, some people play classical music. We play Khloe Kardashian talking about her surrogate. <laughs> Your favorite Shutterfly item in your home right now is? Um, that's, that's hard
1: to pick as well. I would say actually right now my favorite item is our personalized customized doormats. So um, we've been able to deck out all of our doors uh, with Halloween rugs and nice. our mats and so um because of the artist collabs that we have with the spoon flower artists there's so many to choose from so we've done a different one at each door um and so i would say that but also i just got a new dog bowl for fonzie that actually i didn't even nice. know we carried and um <laughs> the quality is so good and the print is so great and i'm just excited that you can switch them out because they're a good price so
0: and where can people find Josh Carter, if they want to connect with you, <laughs> follow you on Twitter, follow you I, on LinkedIn. Bring we'll bring, bring all
1: bring, bring all the followers. Um, yes, on Instagram, I'm it's Joshua Carter. You can find me pretty easily, I think, on LinkedIn. But um, yeah, question questions and comments always always welcome to hear from from folks. So we gotta we gotta stay in this influencer and content space together. So. Um, I always love meeting new people too. So, or just come to Minneapolis. You know, we'll have coffee in Minneapolis. We're still trying to get you here, Tom.
0: Absolutely, I'll be there. <laughs> well, Josh, this has been awesome. Unsurprisingly, I think uh, this was super compelling stuff from you. Um, I think the audience will get a ton out of it. Thanks for coming on, man.